0: Welcome to the CER's podcast. My name is Sophia Besch. I'm a research fellow here at the Center for European Reform. And today I'm joined by Charles Grant, the director of the CER, and John Springford, a senior research fellow. Good morning, you two. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning.
1: morning.
0: So here in the UK, we're nearing the referendum about EU membership. It's two weeks to go. And over the last days, we've heard from a couple of pro-European members of parliament that they might try to force the UK to accept the so-called Norway option. So I'm just going to summarize this really quickly. Norway is part of the European Economic Area, the EEA. It is in the single market. It does not have representatives in the EU institutions, though. So Norway does not have a voice in shaping the rules for the single market. It cannot return new members to the EU, but it has to accept free movement of labor.
1: That's all correct, I think. Okay.
0: (laughs) right. So Charles, why do you think that the EEA, the Norway option, may be the best option for Britain after Brexit?
2: Well, there's the economics and there's the politics. Economically, almost all the serious economic analysis of the options post-Brexit for Britain point to Norway being the least damaging for the economy. Because it is the only option that allows Britain to stay part of the single market. Uh, and in particular, for the City of London, it's the only option that allows the so called passporting, whereby foreign banks come to London, are regulated in London, and can do business all across the rest of the EU without needing to be regulated anywhere else. So, economically, it's the best option. Uh, the question is the politics. If the British vote to leave the EU, many people will vote to leave because they think they're voting against EU immigration. Hmm. However, if we went for the Norway option, we'd have to accept EU immigrants. Norway has actually more immigrants per capita than Britain does. But I would just say, hang on a minute, look at the House of Commons. Three quarters of the MPs in the House of Commons are essentially pro-staying in the EU. If they lose the referendum, they can't overturn the popular... Vote, But they can at least impose on a post-Brexit government the least bad option economically, which is staying in the the single market through the European economic area. And that means accepting free movement of Labour as well as paying into the budget. So on sovereignty grounds, it may be dodgy, but economically it's the best. And I think the combination of Tory pro-Europeans, Labour and the Scottish Nationalist Party would push a post-Brexit government towards the Norway model.
0: Okay, John, first of all, I think you disagree. I sense disagreement from your corner. Um, First of all, maybe the point that economically it's clearly the best option.
1: Well, I think that's that's absolutely right. Charles is absolutely right to say that because basically it would mean that Britain would stay in the single market. But I I mean, I also just think about this really purely in a political way. Um, And I think the European economic area would satisfy none of the three main groups that we're talking about here. It wouldn't satisfy the electorate, it wouldn't satisfy politicians and it wouldn't really satisfy the EU the reason why it wouldn't satisfy the electorate is pretty obvious. Um, the referendum is turning into a choice between the economy and free movement. And the polls are showing that people are starting to understand that trade-off. You could have less free movement, but it would mean that um, the economy would be less secure and we'd probably have lower growth in the long run. So if we, uh, if they vote to leave, then they'll have chosen to have lower immigration um, over the economy, and I think it will be very difficult for politicians to be able to defy them on that. You know, the UK Independence Party will be breathing down their necks. Um, we will be seeing an awful lot of political instability after a vote to leave, um, and I think it's it's not apparent that MPs would necessarily be willing, even if they agreed with Charles and me on the economics, right. to uh, defy the wishes of the electorate.
0: Charles, do you think that there are politicians that could push for this option and be successful? Yes, I mean, the
2: the question on the ballot paper is do you want to remain or leave in the European Union, not whether you want to remain or leave the single market. So, of course, John is right that many people voting to leave will be voting because of immigration, but not everybody. I mean, I, Mm. I know, personally know, a number of people who will vote to leave on grounds of sovereignty. You are extreme economic liberals who welcome EU migration. So you can't say that a vote to leave is definitely a vote against EU migration. Maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of those voting to leave would take that view, but not everybody. Right. Uh, and politically, I just I just I actually think that Gove, Michael Gove, and Boris Johnson, who will presumably play a big role in a post-Brexit government if, if Brexit wins, are in their hearts economic liberals. I've talked to them about the EU at various times. And I know at the moment they're saying they want to limit immigration and have an Australian-based point system. But if the House of Commons forced them uh, to accept the single market and free movement of labour, I personally don't think that they would be too upset. I think that, that part, of their, part of their souls would welcome the more economically liberal option.
1: Um, I mean, I, I agree with that. But I, I just wonder if, you know, politicians aren't necessarily pure-hearted. And even if they're pro-EU, thinking about the MPs, um, let's say let's say the prime prime minister Johnson or prime minister May or prime minister Gove um, brought the EEA option to Parliament. You know, politicians, MPs might be pro EU, but the incentives on different parties aren't necessarily to say, look, let's sign up to this agreement. Um, you know, Labour, despite being pro-European, might take it as an opportunity to bring down the government. And I'm pretty sure that since the Tory party is split down the middle and there are a lot of people who really, really hate the EU in the Tory party um, and would hate the EEA option because it would mean free movement and also ceding some sovereignty over regulation, that Labour and um, these Tory MPs might well join together to try and bring down the government rather than impose the European Economic Area on the electorate.
0: Okay, so you've mentioned the different players involved in this. One other player that we haven't really spoken about yet is the city that could actually probably impose pressure on finding an option that would be most beneficial for them.
1: Well, I mean, I think that's certainly true that the city would much rather that Britain were in the EEA rather than than leaving and we would lose all the passporting rights and everything that Charles mentioned. But the fact is that the city doesn't get to decide, It's, it's the politicians. And politicians might also see this question of sovereignty slightly differently. I mean, financial services are the UK's flagship industry. If we were in the EEA, then um, we wouldn't have any control over the regulations which govern international financial services, so the UK would be ceding sovereignty. Mm. Um, And, you know, politicians are pretty jealous guarders of their own power to be able to regulate. Um, And and I'm not so sure that MPs would be willing, really, to cede that kind of authority to the EU.
2: Um, I think uh, it's true that the Labour Party would welcome the chance of a general election, and they'd welcome the chance of bringing down a a Tory government. I accept that, and there will be political chaos probably in all parties after the referendum. But I still think Labour would strongly wish to go for the European Economic Area. This would create huge divisions in the Tory party. That's one reason why Labour would go for it. Labour would be seen as the pro-city party, which is slightly bizarre, but defending the British financial services industry. And another well, another issue, of course, is whether the EU or not would welcome the European Economic Area. John has said that it wouldn't. I think it, it might do in many ways, because the structures are there, the institutions for the European Economic Area are in place. It would be relatively easy to slot the British into those structures without the needs for years and years of complicated trade negotiations which the other options would probably entail
1: I mean, I mean i think that's true but the only problem is that norway and the other members of the ea have some powers which would i think the eu would be pretty frightened to hand over to britain for example so um there's this thing called the right of reservation which means that uh you know norway can refuse to sign up to a particular piece of eu legislation if it wants um it hasn't really used this right of reservation very much apart from once temporarily over postal services you know and the reason for that is because the eu can then suspend market access in that sector but the uk is much bigger and a much more assertive state than norway and i i, I find it hard to imagine that the eu would be willing to give the uk the same kind of latitude they would want eu law to be downloaded automatically um, they would want the European Court of Justice to be policing all of this. I, I think that ultimately the EU would want to change the EEA agreement if Britain were to join it.
2: Well, I mean, it, it is true, John's right, that there may be a trade-off between the EU wanting... Cert- if Britain tried to join the EEA, the EU would want certain things amended or changed. Against that, though, Britain would want a slightly special deal for the city. Although technically in the EEA the EU would make the rules for the city and Britain wouldn't have a vote on them. Given that Britain is the major part of the EU's financial, or the the single market's financial services industry, it would, in practice, Britain would be certainly there asking for a kind of channel to feed in its thoughts before rules are made. Mm. The French would be difficult, but actually, if everything else was going well, uh, they might accept it. And there could be a trade-off uh, between the British getting some special arrangements for the city and the EU imposing a more automatic Updating of EEA rules or single market rules.
0: Right. Well, I, we've seen that you two disagree. Uh-huh. We'll let the listeners decide, and certainly we'll see a couple of months from now.
1: Can I just can I just add something? Um, we have set up a, a Twitter poll. Oh yes. Um, so if you if you go to the um, Centre for European Reforms Twitter account, which is at cer underscore London, then you can uh, vote yourself on whether it's likely that Britain would join the European Economic Area or not.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much John and Charles.
1: Okay. Thanks Sophie. Thank you.